This is the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast. I'm Rachel Middleton, and we're really glad to have you with us today. We hope you will enjoy our show as we talk about healthy leadership that we believe is best expressed and most effective through influence. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Rick Shields, and I serve as the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. Thank you for investing your time with us on this episode. Our guest today is Robert Benson. And while he is equally comfortable working with superintendents, supervisors, leads, and operators, his focus as a consultant and coach is directed to owners and executive teams. As the president of RFB Coaching, he works with leaders to grow their businesses, focusing in the areas of vision, strategy, leadership, and sales. And with over 20 years of experience as a consultant, he has delivered customized interventions to corporate clients, both nationally and internationally. So, Rob, I'm really glad you're with us on this episode. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, pleasure to be with you, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. Our conversation today is about leadership, which in and of itself is a pretty big topic. I know that. But I always like to ask people to give us their personal definition of leadership. So how do you define leadership? Thank you for the question. And I've been actually, I continue to play with this. I've been doing leadership for 20 plus years. And I started with uh, John Maxwell. So, you know, John Maxwell, his definition of is, he simply says leadership is influence, which is very, that is a wonderful definition. It's simple. It really does capture it. But I think it misses some things. So literally I sat down last night and I typed up a new one. You want to hear my latest? I'm ready. Here you go. My latest one, and I and I this is also leadership, and I think there's such a thing as Christian leadership. So let's try this one on for size. Influencing one or more others to work for a worthy goal and do so in ways that accelerate goal attainment and leave the other people better off than they were when you began. There's a lot there. there. So it is it is fundamentally about influence, but it's so influence towards something that is real and important, particularly if you claim the name of Christ, you should somehow be working towards advancing his kingdom in some kind of way. And, it, and you know what? If I'm putting bread on my table and I'm helping other people put bread on, my, on their table, I, I think that fits. That's yeah. a worthy goal. Okay. But starting off with a worthy goal, if I'm a, an effective leader, so this also starts getting into what's effective. Well, effectiveness is do I help you? achieve the goal? Do I help you or our group get there faster, better, cheaper than they would have on their own? If if I, all awash, I'm just a cost. If, if I don't yeah. help make it better, faster, cheaper, but I accelerate that goal attainment and somehow also you got to be better off. If you and I are on a team and I'm leading you, you got to be better off when we're done. And if I haven't done that, I haven't stepped up in my role as a leader. Yeah, we're going to circle back and pick up on that in a little bit. Because uh, I, I got another. Can, yeah, go ahead. You go just ahead. Yeah, we could take that apart for twenty minutes, but I got a bunch of questions I want to ask. Oh, okay, so, go for it. <laughs> so, in some of the notes that we shared uh, ahead of time, you said the problem with discussing leadership is that by virtue of everyone having experience of leadership one time or another, they consider themselves an expert. So, we believe that developing leaders is a good thing. 
but you suggest that discussing that whole concept of leadership can be difficult. So take a minute, if you would, to explain what you mean in that. So everybody steps into the leadership conversation thinking they're already an expert. They wouldn't, they would not use the word expert, but they're not coming with beginner's mind. They're, Mm. they're stepping into this thinking that unless you are the rock star leadership guru and you're at a conference, okay. And yeah, they might give you a little bit of a, of a pass there, but on a situation like this, most people already think they know, and people who think they know can't learn almost, anything. They can't learn anything, and they almost have to experience abject failure, where mm. whatever their approach typically is doesn't work for them to realize. Oh, maybe I don't understand this, so or understand all of this that I might. And, and Rob, so, do you know many of those people who will actually do that? Even in the face of abject failure, they'll come back and say, hey, maybe I don't really get this. Uh, no, most won't. And most will blame. And this is a, a bias. What is it? Fundamental attribution error. I'm going to have to look that up. But the point is, we, we tend to blame when we fail. Well, it was the circumstances. It's not that I fundamentally don't understand or was wrong. It was the circumstances that were thrust upon me. But my way of looking yeah. at the world is still correct. And so what we tend to do in terms of leadership is we tend to lead the way the leaders we saw when we were young. We We tend to lead like the football coach that led us. Some of us, uh, particularly, maybe we didn't have, have sports. We happened to find our way into a good working or a good church situation. Some of us have had very good leaders and we can slide in. We're doing the same thing. We don't know why we're doing it. We certainly couldn't teach someone else. And if there's flaws in our approach, and by the way, we all got them, we're not really open. So so it's a challenging topic to talk about just because people think they already got the answer. I'm good. Yeah. You know, and they can come back with what well, was a perfect storm. The next time I'll either leave the harbor a little earlier or I'll leave it a little later. Well, it was not about leaving the harbor or when you left the harbor. It was about leaving the harbor in the first place. Right, right, and right, So, right. yeah, they, they rarely have a chance to come back and say, I failed because everything I'd set up, that's what was going to happen. It was going to fail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that famous, uh, it's often quoted phrase written by William Shakespeare in his play, The Twelfth Night. He says, some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. But an interesting point is that there's a sentence that precedes that phrase, and it's it's not often quoted. But the entire quote is this. It says, be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and others have greatness thrust upon them. So I take that phrase, I change it slightly, I make a different point. I, I remove the word greatness, replace it with the word leadership. And when I do that, then we get this phrase. Be not afraid of leadership. Some are born into leadership. Some achieve leadership, and others have leadership thrust upon them. So, do you think that there are those who are afraid of leadership, especially as it relates to them becoming leaders? The people that I know who have shied away from leadership do so, well, for a couple of reasons. Some people actually will, uh, in a business setting, Say, you know what? I don't want the headache. I'm a great individual contributor. Just let me do my job. And you know what we should do with those people? No. 
let them do their jobs. Oh, <laughs> that's that's a very go. good point. So some people really aren't interested in a formal role of leadership. But if we take leadership back to things as simple as John Maxwell's leadership is influence, leadership involves taking the initiative when initiative is needed, right? So when I see most people as willing to step up and show initiative when initiative is needed, where you see the difference, and this is really more personality style based, some people just really don't like being upfront. And and they don't like the public face of leadership. They'd much prefer a supportive role, which actually the research, and there is good research on leadership. The best leaders are those that are humble. The best leaders are almost those who would rather not be up there in the first place. Uh, wow. You know, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, so you it's want to be careful. This, yeah, you're trying to say, hey, I appreciate what you're saying. You prefer to lead from the second chair. You, you want to be a supportive person. And yet what you're saying is, well, we want to appreciate that. Uh, on the other hand, we need to help them grow out of that and realize you're the very person that we need in this role. In the book, Good to Great. So yeah. some of the Jim best Collins. actual, Jim Collins, there you go. You know it, you've read it actually has some of the best research around leadership that's ever been done. Uh, the premise there was he was looking for the companies that went from mediocre in their in their right. industry and accelerated to being the industry leader. Uh, they had to pass uh, rigorous. I think they had to beat the stock market by four, beat their competitors by four times and achieve that level of dominance for 15 years. And of all, he had to start with public companies because that's who we could get records from. And of all, the, to, he only found 11 companies ever that could meet that standard. Well, that's awesome because now he's got this small set that he can compare with all these other people that they were competing against and just ask himself, what's common among these, these 11 companies that we don't see in all the rest? Well, one of the ones was the quality of leader. And actually, his initial reaction, Jim's initial reaction, when the people on his research team came back and said, oh, you know, it comes to the leader, he was like, oh, give me a break. You know, everybody wants to say, oh, it's the leader, ooh, you know. But his research team kept coming back and going, no, Jim, I'm sorry. It, it, it really is a differentiator. Yeah. <laughs> we can point to it and prove it. And then when they started describing how the different leaders were, this is where he came up with the term level five leader, because this was an example of someone who really, the, the two qualities that make a level five leader greater than all the others is personal humility and this professional indomitable will. In other words, a force of nature that I will I will make the company succeed. I will not slow down. I will not stop. But it was all about the company. It was yeah, it's focused on the company. For the company, not myself, right. not my own career, my own ego. And but these were the same people who didn't want the job. One of the examples is a guy who was a CEO of Kimberly Clark way back in the seventies and really helped them explode at the time. This guy was a uh, the corporate lawyer. 
Uh, he had been in the military. When he was in the military, he was told by his sergeant, you will never make a leader because he was charismatic. He just shrunk into the background. He was told by the board when he was given the, the CEO position, it was temporary because it, you know they were doing a transition. Hey, don't blow it. We know you're not really good at this. And he didn't really like it. But these are people who had leadership thrust upon them, who then simply stepped up. Whenever things went right, you know what they would say? It's not me. It's my team. And they meant it. They really were like, hey, anybody could do this with the people I've got around me. Whenever it went wrong, you know what they would say? Hey, you know what? My people are great, but that one's on me. I dropped the ball. Wow. And if you just think how revolutionary just those two, yeah. two behavioral attributes are, you go, wow, we do have special people. But think about the effect that that approach has on the people around them. And I, I think when you talk about great leaders, what they do is they amplify the people around them. That's great. The people around them are brought in. They're energized. They feel important, right? As opposed to the CEOs, the leaders that can be, you can look back at folks who thought themselves great and actually achieved a level of notoriety. Remember Lee Iacocca? Oh, yeah. Lee Iacocca, you know, you find a better car than this, uh, buy one, right? And he did help rescue Dodge. But he also, when he left Dodge, what, a year later, it was in bankruptcy or, or bought something. It was, And that's one of the things of the level four leaders might be charismatic, might be great at helping them while they're there. But when they leave, the company is worse off. There's no sustainability. No level five leaders, the best leaders, because they're about the company, the company's better when they decide to step aside. And I think of that in terms of this ministry of doorways that, that we lead. I've been leading it now for 33 years. And I know down the road at some point in time, we'll need to step away for one reason or another. My focus currently for the ministry is focusing on, on these legacy portions of doorways and making certain that they live on. That's what legacy is all about. So our Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, where currently we're providing credentials to people who feel the call of God in their life, maybe never went to Bible school, maybe don't preach, but they know God has a call on them. So we've got doctors and lawyers and financial planners and counselors and, and some worship leaders, people who love to just go and, and talk with others and share with them about Jesus. I have about 50 of those people now who we've had an opportunity to minister, uh, business leaders, uh, business owners, I should say, just a cross-section of people. We want that to to succeed and to last. And then Simply Sisters, the ministry that my wife Sheila does, while they've touched thousands of women over the years with just some showing them the love and the grace of Jesus and, and helping them in difficult times, those are things that have to continue. And I hope that when the day comes that we step aside, that it takes it, it all goes to a new level. Would that be so yes. fantastic? Yes, yes. As I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny. I'm, I play in this world of leadership, and I've had the grace to be able to do so for 20 years. And yet, when I encounter the leaders that really inspire me, you know what stands out? They just care about people. 
<laughs> they, they just they they care about the mission of the organization that they're part of. So if you're aspiring, if you're listening to this and you aspire to leadership or you're in leadership, but you're not really into the mission of the organization that you're in, you need to go find a new place, right? Because you're not as effective as you think you might be. So you got to really believe in what you're doing. But if you believe in what you're doing and you really care about the people, then all then all we got to do is, hey, maybe we give you a few tips to help you just accelerate the good stuff that you're already doing. If you don't have the care, then you almost, you can't magic this up. You can't manufacture it. You'll always be less than as a leader. So God give you grace to love people. That's what we're asking. You've already just, uh, we just mentioned this. I want to highlight it though. It's fair to say everybody wants to be an effective leader, but what you're saying is an effective leader begins with caring for people. Yes. Yes. 100%. 100%. And once we start with that, once you start with that care for people, then if you really do, then you'll just, you'll, you'll naturally go, okay, so what do they need to be effective? Then if you answer that question, and actually here's a quick leadership lesson right now, people need three things in order, assuming a caring relationship with their boss. Okay. But we've got that taken care of. People only need three things. If you give them these three things, they will perform and meet your expectations. If they're not performing and meeting these expectations, you have a deficiency in one of these three things. The first is direction, clarity about what are the what's the mission that we're here to support? What are the particular goals and outcomes that I am supposed to, in whatever chair I sit in, that I'm supposed to produce? And uh, what are the values? How do we treat each other as we work together? That's that's the direction bucket that says, hey, we're going this way. People can't follow you well if they don't know where they're going, right? Direction is first. The second is support. Support is the tools, the resources to get done whatever they you're asking them to get done. Oftentimes today, particularly in today's lean environment, we forget about the necessary resource of time. You cannot keep piling task upon task, deliverable upon deliverable upon somebody uh, and expect them all to get it if we're not providing the time. So you need to provide that. Another part of support is confidence. People will perform much better, but oftentimes, particularly if we're giving them challenging goals in the direction piece, for giving them challenging goals, it's going to create a little bit of a gulp factor there. And part of your support is is getting behind them and saying, you know what, I believe in you. Here's here's the resources that you need, and you do some coaching, but I believe in you. You can get this done. And the more they believe it, the more they'll accelerate their own their own work. The last thing that everybody needs, and this is the one that a lot of people trip over, is accountability. Accountability is not a, it's not a characteristic of a person that some people have or not. It is a condition of a system. So when we all, any of us, when we have to produce something and give it to the boss and it's got to be done tomorrow, you know what? We're going to stay up tonight and we're going to make sure that it happens. And it's going to be looking really good because tomorrow it's got to be in front of the boss. 
If we didn't have that time to show up, let's say we had the same job, produce X widgets or produce a presentation, but we didn't have that time to show and tell, I can guarantee you we would get a brain, might get around to it eventually, but we'd keep pushing it off, kicking the can down the road. Other things would take precedence. And when we finally did it, it wouldn't have quite the spit showing. Everybody does better when they know that, hey, here's the product you're going to do. We're going to meet about it and talk about your progress. And you're going to show me what you got at some predetermined point. That, that's why uh, good supervisors do things like weekly meetings with their people. doesn't have to be. Uh, some people put their teams on quarterly reviews. But good companies uh, and good leaders know how to build in accountability sessions just so their people keep coming back. They, that, that way they get the support that they need if they're a little bit off track, but they know they've got to show up. Put those three things in place, direction, support, accountability, care about your people, and you will be the boss that people want to work for. I hope you enjoyed our podcast, and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after Him. Thanks for listening.